Summer's here. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You know what? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your names, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code TAGS, T-A-G-S. Talk about gay sex, the live version. This is episode 281. I'm your host, Steve V. Cody is out this week. He'll be back next week. But joining me is friend to TAGS, Sebastian Lacaz. Sebastian, on the West Coast. I'm doing great. I uh, Thanks for, yeah. No, uh, that's, that's it. And I'm uh, feeling great. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. Thanks for doing this. Uh, you recall has a podcast that's out, uh, Chasing Happy, as well as a short film that's going to start playing the festivals called Disciple. A little later in the show, we're going to be talking about that. Also in this show, we are we have two guests, Ben and Logan, and we're going to be talking about their polyamorous relationship and really deep diving into that. I'm so excited about that. Um, but before we get to that, Sebastian, today is National Nude Day, and you're in your underwear for one thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> Why did I know that you were going to bring that up? I had a feeling. Did you know there was a, there's a day for everything, but did you know it's National Nude Day? I mean, I'm not surprised. You're right. There's a, there's a day for literally everything. We're like, yeah. it's Grey Cat Day. It's puppy day. It's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so National Nude Day. I was talking on Tags Podcast uh, the other day about my first time go being on the beach and being nude and how it felt. And yeah, I'm for it. I'm going to go back. So um, I will report back on that. But we've got to get into a couple of hot topics. And I couldn't help but celebrate the Emmy nominations were yesterday and there were so many representations of our LGBTQ including MJ Rodriguez of Pose making history as being the first trans actor ever being nominated for an Emmy besides that though Billy Porter was nominated for best actor the whole show Pose was nominated for Best Dramatic Series. Additionally, there were some great outstanding supporting actor categories. Uh, I don't know if you watch SNL ever, but uh, there's the the actor on there was nominated. Um, he's gay. He is. I'm just looking for his name real quick. I can't oh, seem to find guy. it. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. I think is really awesome. Uh, yeah. I wish I could find his name real quick. Also, I don't know if you are watching Hacks, but such a great show with Gene Smart. Uh, oh, but no, I have not gotten into that, but I've heard great things about it. Her stars Hannah Eibender and Carl Clemens Hopkins, who I did slip into his DMs today. I just have to say that to wish him, congratulate him, because he's hot. And both are bisexual, Hannah and Carl is gay. I just had to ask you, though, Sebastian, as an, uh, an actor that have done television, Broadway throughout the years, now you really are working on other things. What's your thoughts about seeing the, all this representation right now being nominated for Emmys? I mean, it's incredible. I, I mean, I, I guess I definitely had wished for this time to come. It's crazy that it's it's happening. I'm, I mean, I I love it. I'm I'm so here for it, and I have. Um, supported the trans community in the work that I've been producing, uh, creating on my own since uh, um, 2011 when I did, when I started hustling. In the third season, um, I, I saw that that was an underrepresented 
part of our community. And so I just wanted to figure out a way to work that into the show. And it, there's also a trans character in the short that's in the festivals right now. So I am so um, uh, in support of trans actors playing trans characters and telling their stories. And I think it's super important that um, that work is getting recognized um, at that level. It's super important. And I, if you follow me on social or um, any of the messaging that I um, am currently, um, you know, expressing right now, I've said this before, but I feel like the queer community and people of color are on the front lines of evolution. And I feel like we serve such a purpose in moving humanity forward in helping us break out of these constructs from the past, these very limiting constructs of what gender is, what sexuality is, what race is. I think that that is such um, an important um, part of moving us into a not only higher consciousness, but unity consciousness. I mean, that's so to me, this, these nominations and this recognition just feeds that messaging so much. And I think um, it's is like proof to me that how important the community is and how representation matters really matters and i think that for so long that question of are you mad that like say for example halston played by ewan mcgregor who's really great in it but the question of how do we feel for so long about a straight person playing a gay man or a trans character which has happened in the past i think trans parent or it was a show where it was just a straight person um i was always like well it doesn't really matter to me as long as the actor is good and represented but here we are actually seeing really good trans actors that are not only good gay actors billy porter bisexual actors and not only good being recognized like you said a nomination and it's like if you give if you open up like you were saying the floodgates to talent and opportunity you will find we were talented too so i think it's it's refreshing it's so refreshing and and yeah it is sort of like where do we go from here in the sense of of um actors playing what roles because i think it is important for gay actors to be playing gay characters just like it is important for trans actors to be playing trans roles and telling their stories, we need to be telling our own stories as well. And yeah, I mean, does that mean that straight actors should play only you know straight roles? I, I don't. I don't think we have to define it, but I think it's really right now. It's about. Um, it's a us shift, telling right? Our own stories, you know. Yeah, I, and I think that's what's really important. I don't think it means that you know, gay actors can't play straight roles and vice versa. But I think right now in this moment that we're in, I think it's important to have people who are gay playing gay roles and people who are trans playing trans roles so that it just widens um, the, uh, I don't know, the understanding of, of the community and who the people are, you know? Absolutely. Well, we got to move on before we bring on our guests in just a little bit. But I couldn't help but have to ask you this question on Tag's podcast the other day, episode 280. We were talking, uh, I was at the beach and the person I was with, uh, we were just beach talk. And my friend asked me, because somebody came up to us and said, where are you, how, where are you from? And he asked another question, how did you guys meet? But in particular, the where are you from question, my co-host Jeremy Ross Lopez and I kind of had the same outlook on how we felt about that question. So it's, we sort of roll our eyes because we feel like it's a larger question that they're really trying to get to. Our other co-host, Lincoln, didn't really see it that way. He thought, why do you guys feel that way? Um, and I said, because as a person of color, sometimes they're really 
digging deeper onto what's your background, where where you, what's your ethnic background. Has that ever resonated with you? Where are you from? And do you have thoughts about that? Oh, always. I mean, it still happens to this day. I mean, I think when, yeah, when people ask, oh, so where, where are you from? They don't expect me to say Ohio. They always want to know <laughs> right. what my, like, what are you? Like, what's your ethnicity? Um, you know, who's your daddy? Who's your mommy? You know what I mean? And <laughs> how do they fit that, into that, your, how are they going to fit into your situation? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what, that's what it means. So it, it's not just where are you from that like when white people ask other white people, they actually do mean Michigan, like, you know, France, you know, Italy, whatever. Um, but when, yeah, when we, when a person of color is asked that question, it's not really, that's not really the question. The question is, what are you like? What you what are you made of? What's what's your DNA? That's really the question. Yeah, it's interesting. And we are on the Get Vocal platform here, which is joining us. Um, Doug says, I agree with Steve. I already love you, Doug. When someone asks where I'm from because of my southern accent, I've experienced the whole you voted for the orange man southern stereotype. Oh, wow. We didn't even think of that. Yeah. Right. right. So I mean, thank you for, for widening our scope, Doug. It, yeah. I could definitely box you into literally where are you? And yeah. I mean, white people go through this too, just particularly in the last four years. Um, you're biracial. And so what my other co host was saying is that he's also biracial. Yeah. And his mom is uh, Irish. And he says, ultimately, people are trying to figure out, yeah, where, what's your ethnicity? My other friend on the beach was trying to, he'll get Latinos sometimes asking him because they're trying to figure out, which he isn't Latino, he's tr or from Trinidad. And they're trying to figure <laughs> out, I know, is that a, <laughs> they're trying to figure out like what part of, latin america he's from you know and i just think it can be a whole thing i mean my other co-host thought it like we were being a little defensive i don't know D does it bother you at all or you're just kind of like whatever it's you know a question that people ask i think i've i've moved past it but um i think there was probably definitely when i was younger i think it definitely affected me more um because also people um always assumed I was of, of Hispanic descent. You know, I, what I, I remember being in New York when I was younger and people coming up and, and speaking Spanish to me, um, or, you know, asking me if I spoke Spanish. And even when I tell people what I am, they always say, oh, I thought you were Latin. I thought you were, you look so, I don't know, Brazilian. <laughs> look, they never want to, they actually, a lot of times they don't accept what I tell them, you know, because it's not. <laughs> yes they have their own ideas right. of who I am and what I am. And, um, they want it. They want me to, <laughs> to, to say what they're thinking. A good point. Um, because I've had people, you're not Mexican. You don't look Mexican. Uh-uh. They won't accept it. And they're saying you, you're Puerto Rican, right? Or Brazilian. I'm like, no, they're like, I don't, you, you don't look Mexican at all. And I'm like, well, have you been to Mexico before? Because there's light skinned people, there's everything in between. And I just think, yeah, we need to open our minds up a little bit. And to me, my whole point was get, I'm tired of these age old questions and, or be specific. If you really want to know my background, ask me what my background is. I'll tell you. Yeah, I, won't buy I love, I much prefer that. Hey, what's, you know, yeah, what's your background? Yeah. Little known, yeah. little known fact about you which is a fun fact, is anybody that knows the Bear City trilogy, Bear City film, which I love, I love, 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 Doug, what's his last name? The writer, director, Langway. Doug Langway. Langway. You're, Langway. Sebastian's in the first one. And you actually do play a, a, Spaniard, a Spaniard with a, with a really good accent. Uh, I, I mean, I did my best. I did my best. <laughs> when you got that role and they that was a part of it uh did it make you nervous or or you just thought i'll just figure it out 
No, it didn't make me me nervous. I think at that time I was working on accents and, you know, I was always going out for Hispanic stuff, even though I wasn't Hispanic. You know, that was, if it was an ethnic role, it was Hispanic. It wasn't biracial. It was, right. never, you know, so I, that, I had a very difficult time actually when I was really pursuing acting in the, the um, um, traditional sense um, because I was always going in for Hispanic roles and, and my representation sometimes wanted me to like, just, you know, make lie, you know, they like tell them my dad have something, you know, because they really wanted you to be Hispanic yeah. or whatever it was. So it, it was just so crazy because it, it was just another sort of like lie, another sort of way to be inauthentic, another layer of repressing my own authentic, authentic self down. You know, right. it was all, I think it was another, another layer in sort of my, um, well, my journey of like breaking through that, but it definitely was, um, you know, affected me. I think it in a, affected me mentally in, in ways, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Hey guys, just taking a break from the conversation over at Tags Live. Your host, Steve V here. And you know, I think I may have mentioned that back in the 90s in San Francisco, I used to be a go-go dancer and getting ready every Thursday or Friday for the weekend ahead was always, oh my gosh, I was buying those disposable razors because I needed to trim my junk. Can I tell you the things I used to wear? These G-strings that left nothing to the imagination and I needed, I couldn't have this whole ball fro coming out of my lovely, hot, sexy G-strings. Well, no, at the time, all we had were those disposable razors and all I did was nick and cut myself frantically getting ready for the weekend ahead to hit the club. I think the club in San Francisco was universe. Shout out to those San Franciscans that know what I'm talking about. That's right. Now I can... Oh, I wish I had the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It would have made life so much easier. I could have still gotten ready in a nanosecond with their Manscaped products. Anyways, let me tell you about this bundle. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. This is what I wish I had because inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, their Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxers, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0, and this trimmer is insane, and dare I say, the goat of ball trimmers? Yep, I said it. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. And the Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on and off switch, which can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower, in the wild, and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball fro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? This performance package 4.0 includes the Weed Whacker to chop the worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. Who wants nose hairs, guys? The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. So, guys, seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations before heading outside. Use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to keep on your game in the heat. Then, after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heat... 
Give your beach balls a boost and use the Crop Reviver. I love both these products. I take them with me wherever I go. And Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Well, here's the deal. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using our code TAGS, T-A-G-S, at manscaped.com. Com. Again, 20% off plus free shipping with the code TAGS, T-A-G-S, at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Well, thanks for sharing on that. We've got to move on to our special guests, Ben and Logan. If you want to grab a spot, uh, our special guests of the night, Ben and Logan. Uh, if you're watching this, uh Ben's wearing, well, you're both wearing glasses. In my screen, Ben's on the left, Logan's on the right, but your names are there. Uh, Welcome to Tags Live. Thanks for doing the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey, fellas. Hello. Well, we couldn't help but not have you on the show, and I'm so glad you agreed to be on the show because both of you are in a polyamorous relationship. uh, And... Ben, I believe it was you that reached out to me to talk about it. And we've been communicating for about a month or so Mm -hmm. about this and finding kind of the right time. Just so people know right now, Ben, you're in uh, Boston. Yeah, I live in Boston, but I'm currently in Florida. But yeah, I'm going back to Boston this weekend. But I live in Boston, yeah. And then Logan, you're in Maine, correct? And you live there, yes? Yep, yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, first of all, I think the first question, and we're just going to round robin it, Sebastian, jump in there. But I'll ask that first question that everybody probably wants to know is whether we have ideas of it. How do you both identify polyamory um, and the whole term of it in general? Babe, you want to take it? Um. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a really it's an interesting question and it means a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think what you did first is a great thing, which is to just like ask folks about it. Um, for me, it's basically about um, finding a way to uh, creatively and collaboratively work with people that I'm really close to, to get all of our needs met in a way that's non-judgmental um, and in a way that, you know, allows everybody to find like what works best for them. Um, and so I think that, you know, it can look like a lot of different things to a lot of people, um, but you can still have kind of that same mindset. And I think it's kind of about like finding what works um, and not necessarily about having one word be equated with one particular set of behaviors. I love it. And we've got more questions, but Ben, what, how would you d- describe it? Yeah, it's very, really similar. I mean, three years ago, I basically went through sort of like, like a kind of like a life change moment. And I really stripped down the heteronormative belief system that I blindly adopted. It benefited me um, living a heteronormative life, but I felt not fulfilled. And then when I went through therapy and started asking really important questions, how do I define love? How do I define marriage and success and all that stuff? I really started to realize that I blindly adopted heteronormative and belief system that I can no longer relate to. And um, stumbled into polyamory through um, my therapy and people I started to get to know within the community and it makes just a lot of sense. And um, it's it's something that um, has really been very fulfilling and um, very um, just really freeing because you just really start living a really honest, transparent, truthful life rather of fitting in that box that makes other people comfortable because I'm living in that mantra without, I don't live with shame. I'm very honest about who I am and who I love and how I love. The That's fact amazing. that you said, yeah, go ahead, Sebastian. I was just gonna say, I mean, and there are a few things that resonated with me because you speak in my language in in many ways in your 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 thinking. And what I love so much about what you said is that you started thinking for yourself, 
and you started asking your own questions about what does this mean for me? Because sort of what I was talking about before with the queer community helping humanity break free of these constructs. And this is just another example of that is that we, we do find these belief systems that we do blindly follow without any question because our mom told us and our dad mm -hmm. told us and their mom told them and their mom told them. And it's literally just ideas passed down that we just fall into believing. And then, so it's great to get to a point where you're like, wait, what do I believe? What do I want? How do I feel? What is love for me? And I think that is so, so important in, 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 moving us forward too and i think it's it is such it's so about expanding our consciousness and to to realize that there's so much more potential and there's so much more available to us than what we we were taught or what we have believed and yeah. um that's what i love about what you just said thank you I love that. And Logan, I'm just curious, the one obvious question that I'm sure a lot of listeners might be wondering is, mm -hmm. how does a open relationship that many people in our community have differ from a polyamorous relationship? Um, you know, I think actually, um, in some ways, the language of it kind of kind of answers the question like an open relationship, there is a singular relationship that's sort of the central focal point and it's open. There are other folks maybe who can come into it, but it's still kind of, there is this one, the, the focal point is this relationship for the two, for the two people in that sort of relationship, that's the focal point and everyone else kind of radiates out. I think that in the world of polyamory, we would refer to that as maybe kind of a hierarchical um, polyamory where um people will say like this is my primary partner like this is the the person that like i spend you know most of my time with and other folks you know less so um and then polyamory is and and i think usually open relationships are there to facilitate um sexual needs as well and do sexual exploration or hang out with other people in like a fun flirty way um but it's usually not there for the the romance and in fact i think sometimes uh, the in the inclination the suggestion that romance is is blossoming between two people in that situation that sometimes is like a problem it's like oh no there's this intense connection is that threatening the relationship um is it not and i think polyamory at least for me is being comfortable with whatever that right way of of connecting with that other person is so you know if you go out and meet with somebody and you just want to have sex with them like that's a really beautiful way to connect with a person if you want to have coffee that's great if you want to fall in love and make really big promises to each other um and be romantic and and you know say like i'm going to be there for you in really hard times and sort of exchange that emotional weight um that's more i think the thing that might separate polyamory um from what people might think of when they see an open relationship. And Sebastian, I know you probably have a question, but before we do that, I just want to offline. I was talking to you the other day on FaceTime and people should know that Ben, you are married to, yep. you're married. You have a partner, a, man, yeah. a, a male oh, partner. Yeah. Together 25 years. Got it. Partner. And yeah. Logan, you refer to him as your uh, primary partner. Correct. Uh, no, I, no. I, I, I wouldn't. Oh, so this is actually the term we talked about. I would yeah. refer to him as my nesting partner. Nesting. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And then right. and before you go on, you, Logan, you have a, a tell us about the relationship that you currently are in outside of the one with Ben. So uh, we uh, uh, I've been uh, together with him for a little like probably six and a half years or so at this point. Um, and we live together. And we've been living together for probably six of those six and a half years. And uh, yeah, and probably, um, and we've never been completely monogamous. We had threesomes. We were, you know, open to playing, you know, and, and all of that. Um, but it was always together. And um, a few years ago, we kind of reached a, a, a really difficult point where we just like weren't able to meet some of each other's needs. Either it was it was at a place of like either this need goes unmet for this person or this person really takes on a big burden to provide that. And so we basically 
through couple therapy, which was incredibly helpful, recommended for everyone, we worked out basically a framework to get some of those needs met. And originally they were sexual primarily, and we were thinking about going and hooking up with folks. Um, but then actually he met somebody that he really um, fell into a serious relationship with. And um, that it was sort of the catalyst in a lot of ways for like, oh, we need to like take a step back because when we're thinking about hookups, there were things like, it was like an open relationship, things like veto power. Like if you're gonna hook up with someone who's just like a total sleazeball or whatever, like, uh, and I just am not comfortable with that, then like, you know, that, yeah, you can veto them, like whatever, it's just a hookup. But all of a sudden it's like, I can't veto like my, my, my partner's boyfriend, like that doesn't make sense. And he's not safe or respected or and he doesn't have agency in that relationship so you know that was a big catalyst for us uh, a real turning point yeah and so kind of that's the course that we've been on for the past few years sebastian did you um no i guess i mean the question i guess the um that i have is oh you mentioned you mentioned that you went to couples therapy I just, my question is where do you also make time for, um, like the relationship with yourself? Yeah. And actually that's and how does that factor? Because that's even another relationship yeah. that you have to factor in. Um, absolutely. And I actually think Ben probably, um, can agree that actually sometimes your partner spending time with their partner gives you that alone time uh we call them logan nights in like the polycule when logan just like is home alone by himself and he purchases a burrito and smokes some weed and just like talks to no people does no emotional like anything but anyway <laughs> um, yeah right. that's really important because in a polyamorous relationship you have i mean if you are in a multiple relationship you need to make time for yourself and that's the one thing that people might oversee because you you spend it with whatever part you're going to nesting partner primary partner and then your poly partner but you put yourself on the list and what i really like about my relationship with logan is that we have a system down that we see each other every two to three weeks and um we when we see each other we are consciously really present but we're also present on a daily level where we are communicating and um, share ideas and thoughts and how we are. And um, so there is a deep intimacy on a daily basis. But once we decide, when we, when our schedules align, like we're gonna, you come to Boston, I come to Maine, or we go to another city, um, we just consciously show up. And that is just something really I like about polyamory that there's a consciousness about it. While if, um, being together with my husband for 25 years, there have been periods where we've just been passing ships because life stresses really takes over. And once you start polyamory, which is such a, uh, you learn how to communicate really effectively with all parties involved. Even so, I am not intimate involved in Joshua's uh, nesting partner. I do care about him very, very, very much. And I do um, think that um, his, energy and how he and Logan interact is just beneficial to how Logan and I interact and vice versa. So it's just sort of like this higher consciousness and really kind of like this caring of these, whoever is part of that poly cube, not even if we have sexual relationship, but even respecting and acknowledging who's all part in this and what energies are being are brought together. Well, one of the things that I love when we talked offline the other the communication that you just speak of, Ben, and I couldn't help but make the differentiation between language versus labels. And it mm -hmm. feels like language, uh, when you go into a polyamorous relationship, is utmost. You need to learn either the terms that are already out there in polyamory, but also just the terms that you guys you know, formulate versus labels, which I'm sure the outside world wants to do. I couldn't help but wonder how did you, both of you guys meet and figure out that you wanted to be in this because it's it's not. I mean, you don't really put that on scruff or grinder, I don't think. But tell no, us. I am. I mean, wow. I have. I'm on these apps and I label myself as polyamorous, but in full transparency, 
I met Logan as a booty call. And um, that was, I was vacationing in Maine and during COVID and um, we met on a dating app and we hooked up, but the first night, something- We've both been tested very recently and it's yes. taken extreme- yes, 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 yes. All the all COVID testing things. you have to do and testing and all this stuff. Yeah, we were. And then that first night, something clicked and we started after the hot sex, we started talking. And all of a sudden, it was four or five in the morning and I'm like, why am I still talking? You know, what is it? And <laughs> um, the next day we went our separate ways, um, but he was on my mind and I was like, this was the most incredible night, but it was sort of like, what is it? Because I'm of a certain age, I'm 49 and Logan is 28. So I still was like, what is, how is this even gonna work, you know? And then we started texting and communicating and it led to a second night and the second night was even more intense and just the conversation we had. And what I really liked about having done all the therapy and the research and talking to other poly Cuban people prior to it that, um, Whoever you meet, you really open about it. All of a sudden, the age differences does not really matter because we did not connect based on that. We had we have so many many different interests that we constantly talk about and nourish and um, explore. That that was just something really really surprising. And um, once we kept dating and interacting, we just realized there is something more than just our amazing sexual energy, but there is real love here. And we just on the journey of yes and openness and transparency. Yeah. I guess um, I have a question about like, how do you balance everything? Because <laughs> I can't imagine it's like, it's a lot of plates to be a calendar on, on to yes, juggle. Yes, our walls where we write down all of our they are organized it's organization and yeah. um and it's also understanding um that it's really not i mean seeing us on a regular basis and showing up is definitely part of growing within the polyamorous relationship but it's also um just understanding and there are many relationships involved besides me and my partner, Logan, his partner, our alone time, we also have work, we have families, all of that. And I, just because me and Logan live a very honest and transparent life, like we came, me and my husband came out as polyamorous with friends and family because we not, Logan will never ever be introduced to anything but my boyfriend or poly partner. Um, he will never be, there's no shame behind it. And so having that freedom, living that honesty makes it really easy because if there's a Thanksgiving, a birthday party, a milestone, um, he is there and he's embraced and he is loved by my uh, friends. And so, and vice versa, Logan has opened up his life as well. So when he has his social gatherings and uh, he invites me and I show up and it's, it's just sort of like making the time and, but it's not a 24 seven physical relationship, yeah. but it's definitely 24 seven intimacy relationship by just knowing for sure we're yeah. there to support each other, whatever it is, mm -hmm. the good and the bad. Yeah. Well, how was that conversation with your family? Well, um, my family, um, I came out to my mom probably uh six months ago or eight months ago um oh that's not very very long ago yeah very long and <laughs> i just came no and she was just asking because i was dropping off my husband at the train station because his poly partner also lives in maine and she's like well that's convenient yeah exactly so <laughs> he was like so um He's going to Maine, but you're not going to Maine. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, Andy's visiting his friends and stuff like that. And after the third friend mentioned, I was like, this is just not working. Because me and my mom 
I came out when I was 14, the huge gay rights activist. There, there was never any shame in my household. I just would have came out. <laughs> and um, she, the first thing she says, I love you, but let me just process this. Sure. And, um, and then we started exchanging articles and exchanging stories and talking and texting. And um, so she's definitely right now in the path where she is very supportive and really doing the homework and the research. Um, and I came out to my dad just three days ago. So, and that was way more easier than I thought it would be because my dad is very into research and data. And because me and Logan have been dating almost for a year, um, he just sort of like took it, he's processing it, but he's also in the midst of field of researching it and sort of like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. These are the negative data I'm hearing and I'm showing the positive data. So it's just really interesting. But Logan's family <laughs> is phenomenal. So that is just like, they're like the best parents I have ever met. So. Sorry, just clarification for me. You you meant coming out as polyamorous. Oh, polyamorous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Okay. I mean, I, at first, I thought it, you meant coming out as gay. No. Me too. Thank said, you. And yeah. you said no. you came out at 14. So I you came, came out at 14. 14. Correct, yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Good clarification. Doug has a question. He's watching us live right now. And he yeah. asks the question, is it safe to say an open relationship is primarily driven by sex and a polyamory more uh, an emotional connection to more than one person. Logan, is that fair? I'd say that, I would say that that's, that's a pretty, that's gonna cover most of your bases. That will put, that'll point you in the right direction most yeah. of the time. Um, yeah, and, and I think, yeah, it's that, that an open relationship is um, kind of, I think an open relationship in some ways is designed to allow for sexual interactions and explorations while protecting that relationship. And in, Order the thing you sometimes find with polyamory is a lot of times that the the choices that lead you to the greatest intimacy and the greatest connection with one person can sometimes also feel like the biggest threat in the moment to that other relationship. And that's actually the moment of that other relationship where you like really have to like trust each other and be because like it, it you know and just be like yeah but it could go badly. And if it goes badly, I guess we'll have to figure it out, but it could go really well and we'll just have to trust each other. Yeah, and I remember one, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I remember oh, one like, thing. You know, we, we won't be able to like trust each other if like you have veto power, say. Like that's not gonna make us safer here. Anyway. I remember writing a note on our call the other day uh, that you guys, I think it was Ben that said, you guys support each other's relationships outside of it. So in other words, Ben, your husband supports your relationship with Logan, and Logan, your relationship, your person that you're with supports your relationship with Ben. Um, two questions on that. Could you then, in polyamory, have even like a third relationship? Is there no limit to how many you can have? It just means that to be more support, more communication, more planning. Uh, how? You know, I think Either one way. concept that is really nice to sort of revel in with polyamory is the concept of abundance, um, thinking that like love can be abundant and like love that, that you give to somebody is not less important if it's more abundant. Um, and I'm sorry, I actually just totally lost my train of thought, but I really had a point there. <laughs> I would say that love in general is abundant, like love yes. is abundance, right? Yes. And poly means many. Yeah. Right. So and I, I and I feel like this whole um, expression is about is about you know taking off um, limitation. Mm -hmm. So I think time it can be anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it could be anything that you wanted it to be. That's sort of I think the design of it. Right. You yeah. actually touched mm -hmm. on actually really what I meant by balance, not necessarily scheduling, but you were saying like the give and take between the relationships. That's kind of what I was meaning when I said balance mm -hmm. in the sense of like, w when one relation, something happens in relation, one relationship that might affect the other relationship and vice versa, that delicate balance of that energy exchange must be something that, that, that needs, um, you know, attention and sort of a, a, like a delicate hand in many ways, because it's, 
emotions and and um yeah it's just emotions and and cool. thoughts and feelings um between human beings so that i feel like is is really where a lot of the balancing and a lot of the the work must come into play and i don't mean work in a, in a bad sense hmm. yeah i mean it's i yes i mean we <clears throat> logan and i sort of like are very emotionally available and very emotionally close and we really um just really show up and there is not sort of like this this pressure or facade of like we have to entertain each other and it, and it has to be always the the honeymoon period we, we we have reached the level of just you know i have a shitty day um and let's really address that and um be there and um or i really i need some alone time when we do scheduling and let's say Logan, you know, come from Wednesday till next Monday. Um, and if he gets or I get to a point where it's like, you know what, let's make it Thursday because Wednesday I need for myself. I need to really sort of, um, <clears throat> to gather myself because I've been stretched in with my other relationship with work, but I just haven't had time for myself. Even being aware of when you need your own time or um, when, don't be afraid when you really need that other person say, listen, do you have a minute to talk? I just have that, something's on my mind. Let's just, you know, we hop on the FaceTime or if you really need to see that person prior, a previous visit, like he drives down to Boston or I drive up or take the train really quickly for a day visit, everything's on the table. Just like tell your need and we figure it all out. And then once that is yeah. on the table, we talk to our prospective partners that listen, yeah, I know I said I'm going to see Logan two weeks from now, but this weekend something came up and I'm going to go this weekend and be switching um, weekends. It's just sort of like being emotionally open. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, what, communi communication for sure. Yeah, you it is. I was just going to say that. Yeah, being a polyamorous relationship. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. like, sounds like a disaster. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was going to say, too, is like, as I love communication and I think it's the key to life in so many regards. Um, my, I think one of the light bulb moments for me that I've been hearing is that it's challenging traditional hetero constructs. I think you said that, mm -hmm. Logan, um, about hetero constructs. Or Ben, okay, and that just really makes sense. It's like we have these blueprint. <laughs> age old blueprints that mm -hmm. we all grew up with. And I know offline, Sebastian, I've talked with you and whether it was in Clubhouse or not about just these constructs that don't LGBTQ all, but we've had to somehow fit ourselves into these. And it really, it's, it, it's really refreshing. I guess if I was to, you know, relay a question with that is if someone's thinking about this going into, do you think about, A, do you think about going into a polyamorous relationship and what advice besides obviously the communications would you guys have for somebody considering going into a polyamorous relationship? Logan, let's start with you. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to steal Ben's and just say read the third edition of The Ethical Slut. It's a fabulous book. Um, I have it over I'm going to read it. <laughs> it's incredibly good and it's incredibly yes. practical. Um, I do think that doing a little bit of thinking about what you're what you're looking for and trying to learn from the experiences of others who have who have maybe had similar needs. Oh. Um, you know, I think that's a really common thing that I see. And like we're on like a gay polyamory like Facebook group of thing that people are always asking is like, how do I meet poly people? Like I like I'm. And it's like, that's not necessarily what you need. It, um, you can still like live your life in a certain way and think carefully about these things and, and understand what you're looking for and what you're comfortable with. You don't need to do that with someone else. And in fact, maybe you shouldn't bring all those huge unanswered questions into a really seriously committed romantic relationship. Yeah, that goes but back to what Sebastian was saying as the personal work on yourself too is kind of yeah. what you're alluding to. Ben, right. um, what what's your thoughts on somebody that would be considering this? Yeah, 
polyamory definitely i feel like just give it what are your intentions like what are you really trying to get out of it um if your first thought is more sex or automatic threesomes or foursomes i would just take a step back and start reading start um, joining facebook um, polyamory oriented groups and just listening and asking questions because um sex is all good but it's not the the foundation of polyamory and um just really know what your intentions really are and why why you're intrigued or why you're curious about it because mm -hmm. i was we came out polyamorous before we even had polyamorous relationships me and my husband because we went through the therapy we did the reading we asked questions we met poly people and we really liked the structure and what it the potential it opens up and then um be honest about it that's when we went on dating apps filled out profiles and mentioned poly proud or polyamorous i mean if you're you able to label your tribe just be honest about it and then because even as a single person i'm still polyamorous because i might be dating one person but that person might be in a relationship that still makes and I still deal with that individual dating more than one person. So you need to really know the intentions why, why you want to enter this. And then don't bring the concept of shame into it because once you start hiding and separating and saying from in the bedroom, he's your lover, he's, you know, whatever it is, but then you have to say he's my friend. It just really complicates things. And I feel like, that is not if you if you're not comfortable standing in that poly skin, just don't do it. And take your time. Very, take your yeah. time. I, I and I couldn't another, help but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go just ahead. on on the topic of shame, another I think very shame based reaction is to if you're in a relationship and feeling these urges is to cheat on your partner, and that's not what polyamory is about no. because it is about communication and like that you're not going to be able to be honest with yourself and you go into such sort of a shameful place mm -hmm. and just like open up the conversation instead. And Ben, I couldn't help but take a note when we were talking the other day, you said it's an investment in intimacy yes. and that is kind of says it all. Um, yeah. Ben and Logan, uh, we want to thank you so much for really enlightening us all because I know here we are that I do this show four years and I still didn't know a lot and you've really taught us a lot and I hope our listeners really um, you know, have learned some too. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Really, thank you so absolutely. much for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, you guys. All right. Cool. Wow. Really good, Sebastian, right? Yeah, that was a great conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, I love it, uh, I love it. No, I really uh, did love it. Well, we only got a few minutes, and I have to ask you before we wrap the, the show, because you have a short yeah. film that you uh, produce, star in, and it's going to be playing some of the film festivals. Uh, you play a priest in it who can uh, who's HIV positive and tell us a little bit more about that and then where the film is headed and when we can kind of see it. Sure. Yeah. This idea came about like, um, I'm going to say more than 10 years ago, actually, when I was living in New York um, and I took this writing workshop for actors from this casting director at Playwrights Horizons. And it was back in the day when actors were doing one man shows. So it was, it was even pre like web series or digital series, however you want to uh, label them. So that should give you a time frame. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we won't put but, a number like, on and, it, but yeah. <laughs> but, and, and like, and then after the class, you, maybe you were going to have like a couple of ideas for a couple of characters for your one man show. So one of the, um, uh, exercises was to research media and find an interesting article that jumps out at you and create a, a monologue based off of, um, you know, this, uh, this article. And I don't know how it happened, but I just like stumbled into this Pandora's box of articles about priests with HIV. 
And I was just shocked that um, I had never heard, like heard of, heard of it. Like there right. was, and it had been going on since the eighties and, and articles about um, how the church actually would take care of these priests until they passed away. And, um, but you know, they, how, how good they were at just like, sh you know, shoving it under the rug as we know the Catholic church is, is good at doing with any sort of scandal or any sort of behavior that, um, they, they actually are. So, um, you know, fighting against, I guess, um, homosexuality being what I'm referring to. And so, um, I wrote this, I, I found this article, I created this monologue, I wrote this monologue, and then I, I performed it in the class. And um, that was it, it sat on my computer. And I was positive at the time. And maybe that's why it, it, it flowed it so into personal. my experience. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't open at all. I mean, it was very, it was a, the, I was carrying that secret, um, like way buried, buried deep inside. I wasn't talking about it to anyone. I mean, my partner knew, obviously, but um, I didn't ever talk about it um, with anyone, not in my family, my friends, nobody. Um, so that in one way, it was cathartic to write that monologue because I was able to release some of my emotions uh, uh, surrounding um, being diagnosed through this um, monologue. So anyway, it sat on my computer and then cut to about four years ago, and I'm working at a hotel in West Hollywood called Petit Hermitage on the rooftop. And um, the girl who, the woman who is now my producing partner, we were working together and we were on break and we were talking about actor things. And I brought up this monologue and she said that would make a great short. And I thought, wow, you're right. That would make a really amazing short. And so I, 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 I told her I was gonna write it and I said, you need to produce it with me. And so she was like, hell yeah. So, but that was like, for almost five years ago, it was a. It's been a very long road. Um, I took my time writing it, and I didn't want to do Kickstarters because I had done three, two Kickstarters already with Hustling, and it's just like a, um, which is the digital series I created back in 2011 that ran for three seasons on YouTube, and that's it's just a lot of work. Sure. And I was just like, oh, maybe there's just another way, and uh, I'm going to do the short film. I just want it to be a different experience. And so I, I, re, I raised some money um, on my own by reaching out to um, some big donors who had, had contributed to the Kickstarter for Hustling. And I did some grant writing, which I didn't get any of the grants, but I was able to really uh, get really clear on my message and who I am as a filmmaker and um, what my mission statement was in an artist, as an artist and a filmmaker. And then I was at a... Um, a pitch fest uh, at this film festival, and I was pitching this, this the series version of this short because I wanted at the time I thought I wanted to develop it into a series, and I was pitching it to this exec, this uh, of a digital the art digital arm of uh, this studio. And as I was leaving, he goes, "Why are you the person to tell the story?" And I just said, "Because I'm positive." And he was like, oh, interesting, oh, interesting. And then I went, I moved forward, moved to the next person. And in my head, I'm going, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that out like loud. You just I, like, said that, right? Yeah. To, like someone in the industry. And then I saw my, I had a vision of like doing a Kickstarter and talking about being positive on the Kickstarter. And then I couldn't turn back, which is what we did. And then we shot it um, pre COVID. And then we had to, we had to stop and then pick up the last day in August during the lockdown. But I went through such tremendous change in um, those first few months in lockdown. And so I just infused so much of my own story into it. And I was so grateful for that break because the film, the story changed and I was really happy with um, how it turned out. And so now it's in festivals and it's, um, it's won like seven awards so far. And it's gonna have its first on-site screening um, the first weekend in September, September 5th, I think it's a Sunday at the Dumbo Film Festival, which, and we already, we already, we already won um, Best Narrative Short. Um, they have a bi-monthly uh, competition and then the people, the films that win show at the festival in September. So I'll be one of the films since we won um, one of the competitions um, the, um, we'll be, screening the film at the Dumbo Film Festival in September. 
So uh, I'll be going to New York for that. And I'm really, really excited. So that was a very long winded story. Of, no, uh, thank you for joining that. I will be there September 5th, along with my sister. She'll be here. The Amazing. film is called Disciple. And I've seen it already, I think. And it's I don't amazing. know if you've seen this latest cut, though. Oh, OK. Well, then yeah. I'm going to wait to see the, the latest cut. But what sure. I saw yeah. is amazing. Um, you can follow Sebastian on Instagram at lacause underscore I am. Lacause underscore I am. He also has a podcast, Chasing Happy, available wherever you get your podcast. It's a narrative about your own story, actually. It's really yeah. good. Um, check that out chasing happy any last words before we wrap it up sebastian no i would just just about chasing happy that it's like a limited it's a limited pod it's like a limited sure. series podcast it's a non-fiction serialized um uh tale it's really my tale of transformation uh and truth uh, my it's my personal tale of truth and transformation and um yeah i'm really proud of that that came that came about during the lockdown and um, yeah, that's I, I. It was a very, also a very cathartic experience too. And and hopefully, it's it's helping others as you know when they listen to it to hear my story and and just being able to finally stand in my truth. And I was going to say truth, yeah. And 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 being my authentic self, really, for the first time in fifty years is really liberating and um that was i've been just funnel, funneling it all into my work so it's been i love it's it it's very creative fun time for that sebastian lacaz thank you so much for being my special co-host he'll be back for some other stuff soon um in the meantime follow us on instagram Thanks, podcast. DM us. We give sex and relationship advice, solicited or not, at tags podcast. In the meantime, continue having hot gay sex, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.